Welcome everyone to Elevate. I am your host, Dr. Corey Sandra, chiropractic physician, outdoor enthusiast, and occasional actor. Our mission at Elevate is to help you elevate your life to new levels, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and energetically, with incredible information in the field of health and wellness from a holistic, natural approach. Let's get rolling. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Elevate. I'm Dr. Corey Sandrup. Today, I want to go over the whole red meat causes cancer, red meat causes heart disease, red meat causes diabetes, red meat clogs your arteries, blah, 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 blah. I've had a lot of patients in my office, you know, when I start talking about the ketogenic diet or the carnivore diet, they're always concerned about red meat. Well, I read in the news, I read in the newspaper, or I saw on the news that, you know, red meat causes cancer, red meat causes heart disease. And I just want to pull my hair out. I'm so sick and tired of this misinformation that's going on in the media. So I wanted to talk about that today for a minute. You know, we've all heard it over the years. Eggs are bad for you. Eggs are good for you. Eggs are bad for you. Now eggs are good for you. You you get the idea. And it's always a headline in the newspaper. Uh, A few years back, you heard about the the big WHO World Health Organization paper on red meat and increasing your risk of colorectal cancer. Again, total bullshit. And I'm going to explain why. Whenever you see or hear in the media, in the news, that red meat causes cancer, red meat causes heart disease, red meat clogs your heart, arteries, diabetes, on and on and on. You have to look at what studies they are quoting. Because the majority of the time, when you see a headline about red meat and cancer and heart disease, they are using what is called epidemiological studies or also called observational studies. And what these type of studies are is Typically, they sample a size of people. Usually, it's 5,000 people, 10,000 people, even 20,000 people. And they'll track their progress over 5 years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. How do they do that? How do they track these people? It's really kind of silly. They use what's called a food frequency questionnaire. And they will administer this test. Sometimes they won't even do it at the beginning, but they may do it at every five years. And then people are supposed to report on these food frequency questionnaires what they ate in the last year. Now, if you try to ask someone what they have eaten over the last 12 months, you're not going to get a straight answer. Most people don't even know what they ate three days ago. But yet they are expected to fill in on this questionnaire How much broccoli did you eat last year? How many servings of blueberries did you eat last year? How much chicken did you eat last year? How much red meat did you eat last year? I guarantee you, people don't know. And they've shown in other studies that oftentimes people's memory, their memories are off anywhere from 20 to 50% of the time when they're trying to answer these questionnaires. So it's basically... There's no science behind it. There is no uh, scientific testing 
It's a questionnaire. It's a survey. And typically when a group of researchers get together and try to do these type of studies, they already have a, a notion in mind. And red meat's the big one you see over and over again in these studies. And a lot of these researchers and corporations running these studies, you know, they have an agenda, you know, the, the plant-based agenda. You know, it's bad for the environment. It's bad for our health. So they've already got an idea in their head. They're already biased when they're doing these tests. And, you know, it could certainly go the other way, you know, if there can be bias on the keto and the carnivore end as well, you know. So it's not just confined to the plant-based community. It can be, you know, it can be anywhere. Another thing we have to factor in is a phenomenon called the healthy user bias, okay? So typically, healthy user bias means, all right, they're testing fur to see if red meat's bad for you. And they, people who shun red meat, they're usually going to be the vegans or the vegetarians, but they're also doing other things to achieve optimal health or what they think is optimal health by avoiding meat. They exercise more. They don't drink. They don't smoke. They meditate. They do yoga. All of these are basically adding up to what's called confounding variables. These are variables you cannot account for. On the flip side, there's a phenomenon called the unhealthy user bias. You take your red-blooded American meat eater. Well, yeah, he typically eats a lot of red meat. But in addition to the red meat, He'll go to McDonald's and he'll have the double quarter pounder with cheese and the buns are refined carbohydrates and the French fries cooked in seed oils and they'll probably have a Coke or a shake on top of that. They tend to smoke more, they tend to drink more, and they tend to exercise less. Again, more, more variables that you cannot account for when you're doing these type of studies. So you're going to get skewed results. So at the end of the study, they're going to look at it and, oh boy, yeah, the meat eaters, they're not doing so well. But like I said, they tend to smoke more, they tend to drink more, they tend to exercise less, they don't meditate. And if you hear a little clickety-clack on the floor, that's my dog in the room came in to join me here. Hi, Sassy. But red meat gets the blame. But typically the meat eaters, like I said, they're eating more refined carbohydrates. They're eating more processed seed oils, you know, vegetable oils, which are high in omega-6 fatty acids and highly inflammatory in the body. The interesting thing is when they take these studies, you have to remember these studies are observational. These studies do not prove causation. They only can show a correlation and frequently it is a very, very low correlation. In order to find out if there's a causation factor, if, if a certain substance they're testing for, like red meat, is a causative factor for heart disease and diabetes, then they have to move into a different type of study. Typically, it's an interventional study, a randomized double-blind placebo study. Those are the gold standard studies. In the grand scheme of things, observational studies or epidemiological studies are about, they are the lowest form of research. Very low in quality and highly prone to errors. But the randomized double-blind placebo studies give us a better picture of 
causation versus correlation. And 80% of the time when they do these studies, they prove these epidemiological studies wrong. And towards the end of the podcast, I got some studies I want to cite, some uh, interventional studies I will cite that refute these bogus claims that you see in the news and the media. Another thing we have to factor in with these studies is relative risk versus absolute risk. And how they do that, most of the studies when they're saying, a, a good example of this is typically with the red meat and um, colon cancer, they, sh- they basically showed in a study that eating two pieces of bacon a day increases your risk of colon cancer by 20% compared to people eating one slice of bacon a day. I don't know who in the hell has the discipline to eat one slice of bacon, let alone two slice of, slices of bacon a day because I sure don't. I frequently, when I eat bacon, I usually eat a pound or more. When you look at it from a relative risk point of view, The rate of somebody getting colon cancer eating one piece of bacon a day is 0.4%. And a 20% increase eating two pieces of bacon a day is 0.08%. That's that 20%. That's your relative risk. But the absolute risk, the absolute risk turns out to be 0.48%. So you're going from a 0.4%, those eating one slice of bacon a day, to... 0.48 those eating two slices of bacon a day. Statistically insignificant, does not prove causation, only shows a correlation. The only way we would ever have to prove that is move these studies into a randomized double-blind placebo type study. You see it often with uh, drug companies too when they come out with a new drug. As an example, you know, A new drug comes out that cuts heart attack risks in half by 50%. But it's not as impressive when it's only a 2% risk cut to a 1% risk. So, for example, a five-year risk for heart attacks is 2 in 100. So 2% of patients that don't have the new drug will suffer a heart attack. And then they get the drug, and in in another group of 100 people, only one person has a heart attack out of that 100. So that's a 50% reduction in heart attacks, relative risk. That looks great in the headlines. But when you go to the absolute risk, it's 2% minus 1%. It's a 1% difference. So you always go by the absolute risk, not the relative risk. It's, It's creative marketing. It's misleading the public. And it's bad science and unethical in my opinion. So I hope that clears it up. And it's interesting, there are some wonderful interventional studies that are showing the exact opposite. And I'll have the, the quotations, the, the citations in my notes. But this is an article that came out in 2020, December 2020. Dietary intake of red meat, processed meat, and poultry, and the risk of colorectal cancer and all-cause mortality in the context of dietary guidelines compliance. Basically, to summarize it, researchers found no significant association between red meat and processed meat intake and colorectal cancer risk, as well as no association between red meat intake and all-cause mortality. 
This is another study, the effects of lower versus higher red meat intake on cardiometabolic and cancer outcomes, a systemic review of randomized trials. And to summarize, low to very low certainty of evidence suggests that diets restricted in red meat have little or no effect on major cardiometabolic outcomes and cancer mortality and incidences. And here's another study that came out in 2021. This is meat and mental health, a meta-analysis of meat consumption, depression, and anxiety. So to summarize, they concluded lower levels of anxiety and depression were seen in the subjects that consumed more meat compared to the vegetarians and the vegans. The studies are out there. You just have to know how and where to look for them. Um, Sean Baker's website, Rivero, uh, he's got a link on his website where you, you know he is constantly updating the newest and latest research that comes out supporting red meat or animal-based diets and their effect on health. You know, I have patients in the office that get on a keto diet or carnivore diet. Their heart markers improve, their blood sugar markers improve, their liver markers improve, their hormone and inflammatory markers improve. I see it time and time again. And one last thing I'd like to put out there when you see these studies, they always say red meat may cause cancer or red meat is associated with higher cancer rates. Red meat is linked to. It's always linked to or associated with or may cause. That doesn't mean causation. That is just showing a correlation and a weak correlation at that. That is basically all I have to say today on the subject of red meat and cancer and heart disease. I'm heading up to Pineview Reservoir tomorrow with my son. We are going to go fishing for tiger muskies. So I'll let you know in the next podcast how that turns out. And again, if you like what you hear, please leave me a, a review on Apple or Spotify or any of the platforms that I'm on. And I will see you on the next episode. And other than that, have a fabulous weekend and a great day. The information contained in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. All information presented by the hosts, guests, and all other material is not intended as a replacement or treatment for any medical condition, nor is it intended to examine, diagnose, treat, or cure any medical condition. Before engaging in any healthcare decision, please seek the care and guidance of a qualified medical physician.